When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We should be live. Yeah, it looks I like it. I think we are. I've just checked my feed and I think we are live. Excellent stuff. Okay. Well, this is the first time we've done this. Um, this might be the first time you've seen our faces, really. Anyone who's tuning into this. Down at the bottom, you've got Gordon Sheik of Tartan Scarf fame. I'm sure you're no stranger with that Twitter tag if you're tuned into this stream yard. Above him to the right is Ben Ramage. Ben Ramage, SWS. A writer was it Ben Scottish football supporters S S F S A writer. Yeah, it's in the right order. Yeah, right. <laughs> letters, and then you have me, Andy, uh, who started handing over a few years ago, and we do this now and again with the squad announcement approaching. Just to have a wee look at the lay of the land, who's in form, any runners and riders to come into the team who might drop out, just all the good stuff that we like to chat about. Just over a month to go, guys. It's it's really. Well, it has been creeping up on us. It's now starting to really race up on us. I'm thinking about it most days, I'm sure. You're both the same, yes? Yeah. Once the ticket sales go, then it's like, right, okay, we're uh, it's it's on the horizon, and uh, I can't wait for it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. As, as soon as those tickets went on sale and, you know, it was, what was it, 22,500 four-match packages they sold in the first 24 hours, it's just... An unbelievable level of backing of the national team, um, and yeah, just the excitement is it grows every day if we get closer. Well, the uh, the first thing that I think we need to recognise there is that the ticket sales have been amazing. I saw a map of the the areas and the stands today, and I think there's only two lines of seating in the east stand that now have decent availability left. Is that is that right? That's that's just brilliant. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm never particularly sure, to be honest. I. I, th- I think that what they do is they tend to put sections on sale one at a time. They don't. They don't put the full circumference of the of the okay. stadium on sale all at the same time. So sometimes you look at it and you think, oh god, there's only a, a tiny bit left. But actually, it's because some sections just haven't been put on sale yet. But I think certainly most of them have now. Um, when I I I went on and bought mine when individual match tickets went on sale. So that was after four match packages had been on sale for two weeks. And yeah, there was not a great deal of choice available. Um, but it's been good though, because it means I'm, I'm going to get some unique, different views to what I'm what I'm used to. Um, I'm up in the South Stand Upper for the Ukraine game. So my view of the TIFO display, I know we'll discuss in a minute, um, will be fantastic before the game. Yeah, perfect spot really. Ben, where are you sitting? Are you going? Yes, no, I'm in the opposite side. Um North Stand. So, yeah, I can't wait. Uh, I've got tickets for the four, um, but obviously the Ukraine game is just massive. I think that's the one that uh, I would have paid the money just for that game alone, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> the other ones, this is just... It's such- yeah, totally. I'll be next to you there. I think I'm D4 in the in the North Stand. Um, now, anyone that's, that's tuned in, please leave your comments on Twitter. Uh, I think, Gordon, you've given us a we retweet to your 200,000 followers. So hopefully we'll get a few people 
joining in and let us know what you want us to talk about, please. Um, what I'd like to do first, though, is just draw everyone's attention to that TIFO that Gordon mentioned that will be in the North Stand. They do have a fundraising uh, target going, um, a fan display. It's Paul Smith um, that's been organising it. I think they have raised over 10 grand. I've just brought it up here. So already 10 grand raised. And I think that does cover the North Stands. Um, the, I yep. got a DM from them today saying that there will be a TIFO in the North Stand, which is excellent news. I think they're just now trying to build on that to take the display into the west and the east and maybe even round to the to the south stand if possible. I'm not sure. But if you manage to go on, um, I'll share a link in the comments for this uh, once we're done. And whatever you can afford, please leave it for the guys because it really is a momentous occasion and deserves all the fanfare we can give it. So hopefully the TIFO, I'm sure it will look good, but hopefully we can take it around as much of the stadium as possible. Now, what is the team that will be, or the squad, I suppose, that will be walking out onto the Hamden Turf and into the dugouts. There is plenty of debate to be had around that. Some of the players that have been regulars in the squad might not be this time. Some players that haven't been capped so much might find themselves stepping up in the pecking order. Ben, I think there's one thing we know for sure is that Clark doesn't make grand wholesale changes all at once. But as we saw last season, he gave nine Scotland players their debut over 2021 as a calendar year. So he's not totally... Uh, against introducing new players when the time is right. Is the time right now, or do you just want as much as possible, similar to the Denmark game? No, I, th I think especially with how well the Denmark game went, I think it would be very harsh to drop anyone that was really involved in that game, because for me, that was like almost the perfect performance. Um, we need to take as much of that as we can into the Ukraine game. So I wouldn't be expecting many changes at all. I think there's a couple of players, maybe the likes of Brian Jack, that might come back in because they're now fit. That's a totally different kettle of fish. But I wouldn't be expecting to see many new players coming into this squad. Gordon, the, we'll start with this main talking point because I put out a call today for opinions and comments on what people would like to hear us speak about. The name that cropped up the most was Scott McTominay. Uh, what do we do with Scott McTominay? And it's quite incredible we find ourselves this discussing that question really because when he broke through at Man United and we all saw we had uh, a player of that ilk coming into the Scotland team we thought okay he'll be in the Scotland centre mid for the next 10 years and then mm -hmm. all of a sudden he was moved to right back the jerseys were filled in centre mid very well I must add and now we've got a couple of other right centre halves um, to play that position that are probably more of well definitely more of centre halves than him I'm talking about John Sutter and Jack Hendry what do we do with Scott McTominay? Yeah, it's a real it's a real headache, isn't it? And I feel like it's going to be a consistent theme of this entire conversation that there are just absolute pulsating migraines for Steve Clark all over the pitch. Um, Ben's absolutely right that the consistency of selection has been one of the best things of Steve Clark's reign. It's what it's what this squad and this group have been building towards over the last twelve months. We seem to have found a midfield pairing and partnership that works for us that can we can play consistently and regularly arguably for the first time that i can remember in a very long time the the axis of gilmore mcgregor and mcginn we've not lost a game playing those three players in midfield so i can't imagine a world where if those three players are fit they don't start against ukraine which in that circumstance, leaves McTominay fighting for a right-sided centre-back position, and that's his only way into the team. But 
I think that just speaks to the the strength of the squad and the confidence they're bringing into this into this game. And yeah, it, it, it's really hard on him. I think it is really really hard on him, and it it does seem kind of crazy that we can have a, a guy that is playing every week for Manchester United and we might be able to squeeze him in at right-sided centre-back. I mean, that's bonkers, but that's the world we live in. I, I just honestly, I can't see him starting ahead of either McGregor or or Gilmore. I just, I just can't see it. Does he get in at right-sided centre-half then, Ben? Or are you having either Hendry or Suter before him? I think I would probably go with Hendry, given the, the sort of season that he's had. Uh, you know, he's been playing Champions League football, uh, top-flight football in Belgium. I think... Ukraine have good attacking threats and I think for for me it will come down to who we play up front as well for me I would rather have two out-and-out strikers up front so in that case I would probably rather have a slightly stronger defense as a more defensive-minded centre-backs um, so for me McTominay's on the bench and he's a great impact player to come on in midfield especially if, if we need to change the game the uh, the, the other centre mids question I suppose that, that hangs over probably not the starting 11 but at the minute is this for the squad is probably Ryan Jack it's been a while since we've seen Ryan Jack perform to his true capabilities it was a, a dire shame that he missed the Euros through injury he's mm. come back to fitness and he, he patrolled that park in Dort, Dortmund superbly um, interesting to see how they get on and he gets on this Thursday I put a, a tweet up actually saying that it was a pleasure to watch him get back to that kind of form. And just like you were saying a minute ago, Gordon, it's probably hard, actually, really hard to to vote for breaking up McGregor and Gilmore in midfield just because of how well they've gelled together. together. I think we've we've all recognised that McGregor's game for Scotland has gone to another level since he started playing with Gilmore. And with McGinn just ahead, we, we all know what he brings. Um, there's, so I think it's probably a stretch to say that there's there's no... Sorry, it's a stretch to say there's a place for Jack right now in the starting eleven, but mm-hmm. definitely back in the squad. Oh, a hundred percent, and he will be a really, really welcome addition to come back into the squad. I think, especially, you know, you have to consider when you bring players into the squad. There's many different roles that players can play. Obviously, some players will start. You need some players to come off the bench, and also, you know, fingers crossed we're going to have two very, very high-intensity, high-profile, high-pressure matches within the space of four or five days. So if someone if someone busts a gut on the Thursday night and then come the next week, they're not quite there fitness-wise. You know, to have a guy like Ryan Jack who can slot straight into that starting 11 to replace any of those guys is a wonderful option to have. And, of course, as well, if we're looking at the last 10, 15 minutes of a game you maybe want to bring off one of your strikers and bring on a guy to shore up a, mid, a midfield again. What better option could you have than Ryan Jack right now? So he will be, he whatever role he plays over these one, hopefully two games in March, he will play a key role in wh- whichever role he plays. I think, Ben, that probably as well consigns McTominay to a right centre-half position because I bet you if you asked a few people just now, it would, it would be 50-50 at best, I bet you. Um, who would you rather bring on off the bench, McTominay or Jack, when they're when they're both on best form for Scotland? And I think McTominay plays his trade at a much higher level than Ryan Jack. But Jack's been absolutely superb for Scotland when he's, when he's played um, before he got that injury. Yeah, no, 100%. And I think 
Gordon's hit the nail on the head there and that there's still touch wood. There's going to be two really important games. And the second one is obviously away from home. So it might be a slightly different approach to each game. I'd, I'd like to think we'd be quite attacking at home um, and really take the game to Ukraine. Whereas if we're away from home, we need to make sure, first of all, that we're not conceding. And Jack maybe might be the guy to come in and hold that midfield because you saw how well he did against Dortmund. Even in the old firm derby, I think he was the, one of the only players to come out of that with any credit. And he was only just making his return from injury. So he's, he's definitely going to play a big part. Okay, well, you've taken us on to attacking potentially in the first leg, Ben. This is another popular talking point in the comments today. Shea Adams, undisputed starter. Um, don't want to offer a differing opinion. We might need to send a defibrillator into Gordon's bedroom there to, <laughs> to save his state. Um, but yeah, Shea Adams, he's a starter, isn't he? Different level. Uh, what happens up alongside him is... Uh, it's really a matter of opinion because there are arguments for and against playing Lyndon Dykes. There are arguments for and against supporting him with uh, Stuart Armstrong or Ryan Christie up with John McGinn just off him. Talk me through what you're thinking, Gordon. Yeah, I'm, well, you're absolutely right. I'm, I'm thinking about Shea Adams. I spend quite a lot of my time thinking <laughs> about Shea Adams. Um, I posted, oh God, I, I posted that thread on Twitter over the weekend just going through all of Shea Adams' goals from this season and just, they're just so, so impressive. I know I've spoken at length about this young man, but he just, I feel like he is getting better and better with every game for club and for country. You know, he scores different types of goals, the way that he can just open his body, find the goal from basically anywhere around the box is so impressive. If we're going to have if we're going to be limited to the number of chances we have in a high-pressure game, like a game against Ukraine, I want those chances to fall to Shea Adams. And you're absolutely right. It's about how do we support him to play his best for Scotland. And again, I've said before that I've, I have enjoyed the combination play between Adams and Dykes, but I've often felt that that's led to Adams being the one to drop into the hole and run the channels and do the running around Dykes to create chances for Dykes. And I just feel like, I feel like Adams is the more reliable finisher right now. The, the way it's looking right now, Adams feels like the more reliable finisher. And then it's the question, well, how do we support him? Obviously, McGinn will play relatively close behind. Do we then play a second attacking midfielder? Christie's played there. He's currently injured, so there'll be question marks about his fitness. Stuart Armstrong has really come onto a game at Southampton. He seems to be another guy who's growing in uh, stature down in the Premier League and obviously playing alongside Shea Adams. So I think there's definitely an argument for, for Stuart Armstrong but again, it, it it speaks to how exciting this Scotland squad is. That we're, there's also there's Ryan Fraser, there's James Forrest, there's Jacob Brown. There's there's plenty of options everywhere you look. There's plenty of options. Yeah, the the, uh, the injuries could be an interesting one. Hopefully, well, this chat is based on everyone that we want to be fit being fit, and yep. that can often prove not to be the case. When we were doing our on the plane series before the Euros, Ben, we. we we planned it and we discussed it as if all 25 or 6 were going to be available. And as it transpired, we, we missed out with Kenny McLean and, and Ryan Jack not, not being available. Uh, I think I actually saw, I've just tried to pull up the article, actually, because I saw it retweeted um, the other day, is that Christie's quad injury, uh, Christie's got a quad injury, but the initial scan is positive. Um, so hopefully that means that in a month's time he'll be fine. Uh, also, there was a comment today in the section, uh, and 
comment in the section today um, about Dykes being fit. He missed the QPR game at the weekend. Uh, apparently, he's undergoing a fitness test um, ahead of the midweek clash with Blackpool. So, uh, I would assume that means he's made a pretty quick recovery from whatever it was that was troubling him. So, uh, basing basing our discussion on both of them being fit, Ben, what are you thinking? Do you go with Armstrong and or Christie, maybe even Ryan Fraser or so? Um, because Clark has certainly suggested that Ryan Fraser is very much in his plans as well. Yeah, for, for me, the uh, the opener in the Euros is the thing that scares me most about just going with one striker. I think we we sometimes lack a bit of presence up front when we just go with one. And I think against Ukraine, I really want us to be dominant. I really want us to be pushing up. And I feel like having Dykes alongside Adams will work really well. It will just give us a bit more up front. It, it takes a bit of the pressure off the midfield. We'll just we'll have that presence up front. The two can link up. And you would hope that Adams would get chances as well as Dykes. You'd hope that they would maybe fall. They'd maybe both get chances. Um, so for me... It's, it's a real tough one because Armstrong is obviously linking up so well with Adams at the moment. Um, the stats about how often Southampton have won without Armstrong are insane. Um, the two link up so well. So there's a real argument for either. For me, I would like to see Dykes and Adams up front. I think that's a bit of a statement. We're at Hamden. We're going to take this game to you. And Touchwood, we're going to beat you. I think that's, that's a fair point because... The, the changes that were made in that game when it was Dykes and Adams together, we did come out in the second half and give a much better account of ourselves. We were so unfortunate not to score when Lyndon Dykes had that looping effort. Yeah. Or was it? No, it was the own goal that was about to fall for Dykes, mm-hmm. wasn't it? And the, the keeper mm-hmm. clawed it away. Um, and then the, the impossible happened, what, about five minutes later or something. So I think that change in tact during the Czech Republic game made us more menacing. Um, I'm pretty sure at Wembley as well. Did we not start with Dykes and Adams? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. And I, I understand what you're saying as well about um, continuity from from club. Uh, Armstrong and Adams know each mm-hmm. other inside out. I think we it's different when it's a full team um, playing together. Like when Brendan Rodgers' Celtic boys were really successful, and they all came in under striking and gave us that good shot at getting to the 2018 World Cup. Is there enough of a justification to play two players together just because they play in the same team rather than five or six of them, Gordon? Yeah, I, I, I do, I do, I do see that that perspective. And you're right that when it was Strachan bringing in the Celtic players, but that we had about, I think it was about six or seven players who were all playing for Celtic who were then coming into the Scotland team, and they they were carrying that form and confidence of the the invincible celtic team into the, the into the scotland side but I, th- I guess the argument for the combination of armstrong and adams is that they're not just they're not just two players who play at opposite sides of the pitch they play side by side and they inter they interact and interweave regularly for for their clubs you know that they're, they're it was a it was adams who slipped it to armstrong to score against everton at the weekend there so that there is a much closer almost symbiotic relationship of those two players that that you can you can tap into i just i do wonder though that i think those two games especially that when when we finished the world cup group away to moldova and at home to denmark when it was adams up front leading the line we kept the ball so well we passed the ball so well i think sometimes we can 
because Dykes is so good in the air and he does win a lot of balls in the air, that does sometimes lead us to playing long more often than we might want to. And I don't know, I just, I just feel like our, our build-up play was so good. And if we can keep the ball away from Ukraine, they can't score. Um, and, and again as well, look, look, looking back at that Czech Republic game, the key part of that, I, I do appreciate there was the change from first half to second half, but the key part of that game was that Kieran Tierney wasn't there. And that's what we learned from that game is that what Tierney brings to the team is irreplaceable. No one can do what he does. So I'm desperate that he stays fit (laughs) for next month, absolutely. Do we want... I need Dykes, though, for for the more goal threat. I mean, we need to win this game. Uh, And Dykes Mm -hmm. was on serious form there before before the end of the campaign. Uh, That goal he scored against Israel at Hamden and Moldova as well at home, that the probably a fortunate, fortuitous finish that uh, into the back of the net in the Pharaohs, and the other one was a penalty against Austria. But he carries a goal threat, um, mm. Lyndon Dykes, in a different way. I know that Armstrong is capable, certainly, of putting the ball in the back of the net, as is John McGinn. But I think Lyndon Dykes offers a, a, a different type of attack. Does it just depend on whether we start with that? change to that because I, I can't envisage now Dykes not featuring in a game if he's available. Yeah, I, I really like the idea of having them both. You've got the two wing backs throwing balls in. You've got McGinn bursting the lines, McGinn playing passes in. I just, I think it gives us so much more of a goal threat and it really says it just, it's like a mental message that we're giving to Ukraine that you're going to be under pressure here. You know, we're not sitting in and hoping that we're going to beat you. We're going to go after you. Um, that's, that's the message that I want to see us give. Let's go into the wing backs then, Ben. The right back area is the, the only one that probably has any kind of question mark over it. Uh, captain and left back is taken by Andy Robertson. I think we can leave the left centre half area as well. Maybe worth discussing later on the centre centre back area because Cooper and Hanley probably can both lay a decent claim to the jersey. We'll go to the, the right back area now though. So Nathan Patterson's impact since he was introduced to the team has been absolutely superb. And I actually think a wee bit overlooked, to be honest, um, because the team was doing so well as a whole that it was hard for any of them really to steal the spotlight. Um, but since he came in to the team, don't have his number of caps right in front of me. I think it's maybe seven, Nathan Patterson, eight, something like that. And not all starts. But he scored and laid on three goals. And not yeah. like these assists where you lay it off to someone and they score from 25, 30 yards out. Like he, has, he has created the goal. Um, with with decent crosses and important cutbacks in the box, is there any way that you can justify dropping Nathan Patterson in a game that we have to go out and win, probably, rather than Stephen O'Donnell, who again was superb when he was called upon against Denmark, and you also have Anthony Ralston, um, who's having a and brilliant and unexpected season with Celtic. Come to you, Ben. The the obvious issue with Patterson is that he hasn't been playing for Everton since he moved, you know. Um, but when you look at the impact that he had, as you alluded to, I think it is it is a special case because he is so talented, you know. To me, you know, he could be our right back for the next five, ten years, depending on how he progresses. But to me, he looks like he's that good. Um, the way he took to the international stage reminded me of Tierney when he came through. And he just bossed it and he just didn't look phased at all, akin to Gilmore. I think there's just certain players that just have, they have the mentality and the skill 
to deal with it and at that age so for me I, I for me i would be starting patterson i think he he's got the caps he's got the the attacking drive that we need um we've got enough defensive players i think we can afford to have him roam in that wing um and you know you just know he's not going to be faced by the occasion um which i think is really important Gordon, are you similarly minded and if so what do you do with the other two that are going to be in or on the periphery mm. of the squad? Yeah, I think Nathan Patterson's inclusion is the only the only thing that could possibly quantify any kind of a risk with this with the Scotland selection because we have so many players that are playing at such a high level, playing regularly, doing great for their clubs and have a great amount of money in the bank in terms of their performances for Scotland that there won't be Whatever, whatever lineup Steve Clark goes with, there can't really be a great deal of debate or upset, really, because those players will be there on merit. Patterson's the only one where he has the money in the bank in terms of his performances for Scotland. Like you said, he's taken to international football like a duck to water. Ordinarily, yes, you want your players to be playing regular club team football before they go to international football. You could almost argue that Nathan Patterson is the exception to the rule. I would say Billy Gilmore is also the exception, but now he is playing for Norwich. You know, you look at between between the international breaks in October and November, Nathan Patterson played, I think, a sum total of 23 minutes for Rangers in that month. He then comes in, plays away from home in Moldova, puts in his best performance for Scotland, goal and an assist. So I I wouldn't, I'm, I'm not concerned about playing him. I think his upside is so big. And I think this is just, it's the nature of, backing and supporting exciting young talented players that you know you just you just have to play them you have to play them and you have to give them the opportunity to develop and to grow I mean I guess as well my my only other slight hesitation but this isn't stopping me from playing him is that what we've seen from Nathan Patterson is that sometimes he does take 30 40 45 minutes to build and grow into a game and in a game like this it's a one-off game there is no second leg. It's one and done. You know, the the home game against Israel, I thought the team wasn't particularly good in the first half, but I thought Patterson and, and McTominay, that right side of defence was not good in the first half against Israel. He did grow into the game and that speaks to his character. It's so impressive. He's such a young man to be able to come back out the second half and play so well. But you do just, it, it's the only thing that gives you pause that, the stakes are so high and that can you afford to have a guy take half an hour, 40 minutes to grow into a game when you might find yourself a goal down and almost out of the game? Ben, we have Euler Scots in the comments saying that Patterson isn't playing. Stephen O'Donnell's been benched by Motherwell, which is true because he's not played in the last three games at all. Um, He's saying that that's a big worry for him. I don't see how you can leave Ralston out. What do you think of that? Yeah, no, R- Rolston's had a very good uh, season, obviously. Um, like you said, kind of unsu- not uh, surprisingly, um, you know, he's always he's always been a talent. Um, but I think when you look at the Caps, I-, I would make more of an argument for O'Donnell because O'Donnell has been there and done it in at the Euros in huge Scotland games before. I think O'Donnell is a safer pair of hands or feet, <laughs> whichever way you look at it. Um, I would I would go for him or Patterson. For me, it's a shootout between those two. Clark may go for O'Donnell if he thinks that he wants us to be especially you know, solid at the back. Um, for me, I think Patterson has the attacking edge. 
What about you, Gordon? Because there, there is a, I don't think I go quite as far as saying a clamour, but I think there's a, a growing understanding of the potential benefits of having Ralston in a team. Yeah, yes, I, I, I understand that. Um, but I honestly think that as an international team, and I think the operative word is team, I feel like we've moved away from that kind of flavour of the week clamor for this player has to come in because he's on great form this week you know we're this steve clark and the, this team they're they're building something slowly but surely and making incremental changes and i just i can't see i can't imagine any world where anthony ralston with what what is it he came off the bench for the last two Five three minutes, minutes against Denmark. yeah exactly like he has really no track record with the national team whatsoever I just cannot for the life of me see him starting over someone like Stephen O'Donnell, who's the the dependable choice with a lot of caps behind him, or Nathan Patterson, who is an exciting option and has caps and has that, you know, he interlinks, plays so well with, with John McGinn, for example. I just, I can't see it. I mean, Ralston, again, he's one of those players that I would love to see more of and I would like him to get opportunities. And, you know, obviously we've got four Nations League games in June, there will be plenty of opportunities for plenty of players in June. I just I cannot see it in a game of this magnitude, bringing in a guy that has such little experience for Scotland. It, 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 it's not going to happen. All right. What do you think of this then? Since we're on your Southampton train, what about Tino Livramento? Eligible? His mum's Scottish. Why not? Why not? I mean, you know, if he wants to come, you know, I've I've always I've always said, you know, when it when it comes to players, there are I have I have three three rules when it comes to eligibility. Is it are they eligible under the rules? Yes, he is. His mum's Scottish. Does he want to come and play for us? That's the question only he can answer. And would he add something to the team? Well, evidently it looks like he probably would, because he's a phenomenally highly rated player in the Premier League. And and again, this is part of the the virtuous circle of what we're building here. You know that we are we're creating a positive atmosphere. We're create we're winning games. We're potentially qualifying for. We've been to the Euros. We're potentially going to go to the World Cup. I mean, would we have? You know, we we had this discussion last year. Would would Shea Adams have come to play for Scotland had we not been going to the Euros? Probably not. So what? I mean, that that's that should be a good thing. That should be a thing that we're we're celebrating and we're embracing. You know, it's uh, yeah, it, it it's an interesting conversation to have, and and good luck to him if he wants to come. He'll absolutely have our support. I think we've seen it in the England under twenty ones quite recently, though. I think he has think been included yeah, last, on... last autumn. All right, so he's he's very much on England's radar. So I don't think the heartstrings are that strong, Ben. I know he was raised in England, but his, his dad's from Portugal. His mum's Scottish, so mm-hmm. I, I don't know maybe if he sees that if he doesn't think he's got a long-term future. And I, again, I don't, I don't understand why people would maybe think, oh, we don't want cast-offs or anything like that. But England are mm-hmm. rich at right-back. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are yeah. what we are at left-back. They are that at right-back and then something. You get, how can you get yeah. past Kyle Walker and Reese James for the next five years? Probably not. Um, I know we've got Trent, Trent, Trent Alexander Arnold. Yeah, I don't even think of him, but yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, but, but, um, well, well, this this is it as well. You know, it, it, it's it, it's what I'm saying that you know we are creating something that is becoming attractive, and when you create something that is attractive, people want to get involved and they want to come and be part of it. And I mean, 
I watched an interview at the end of the year there with him with 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 my my new favorite man Shea Adams and he was talking about his he was reflecting on his year his 2021 with club and also going to the Euros and the interview and bear in mind this was an interview being done by Southampton Club TV and the, he said in that interview that the best atmosphere he'd ever played in in his career was that game against Denmark you know that and when you've got players saying those sort of things about what it's like coming away with Scotland it it makes players sit up and take notice yeah for sure we have another I just I was just doing a wee bit of uh, shopping I suppose you could put it for people that are eligible down south um because when I thought of Jacob Brown and his chances of maybe getting back in the squad for this one as an attacking option um you also have and I think I think the ship might have sailed in this one because I don't think the family ties are as strong but Anthony Gordon at, at Everton is eligible to play for Scotland um he's probably one to keep an eye on and you also have Siriki Dembele at Bournemouth admittedly not a guy that I knew too much about. I knew he was doing really well for Peterborough. I think he was actually linked with Celtic at some point last summer. To come he's he's and, uh, Karamoko's brother, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. So um, he's going to, to Bournemouth at the end of the window there. Um, not sure how he's started, but uh, are either of you familiar with him and or his credentials to be included in a Scotland squad? I mean, I know he scored a very, very late winner for Bournemouth the other night when they I think they beat Blackpool in the 94th, 95th minute, and it was Dembele's, Dembele scored with his, with his first goal for the club. So, again, another potentially exciting player, exciting prospect, and he's very much eligible for Scotland, and I'm sure, you know, Steve Clark will be having him watched, and the conversations will happen, you know. I've, I found it very interesting on the... Uh, I listened to uh, Jake Humphrey's high-performance podcast uh, with Steve Clark this morning, and it was really interesting hearing him talk about the process of talking to Lyndon, Lyndon, Lyndon Dykes and basically saying to him, look, we want you to come, and but it's up to you. And and we we know that you're eligible and we know that you're, you're, you've got Scottish blood in you effectively, And but it's up to you. You're equally eligible for Australia. And it was about him making it sound attractive to come and play for Scotland and leave the ball in his court. And luckily for us, Lyndon Dykes said, yep, I'm Scottish, I'm coming. And that was that. So, yeah, I'm sure the conversations will be happening with uh, with Sirik and Dembele and and any other player who's who's eligible. Certainly, not no bad thing, Ben, to have extra wingers available. I think that's probably the position in the park that we're struggling in most. Um, Forrest Fraser, unless I'm missing anyone obvious, I can't think of uh, players that have been involved in squads over the last year or so that are out and out flying creative wingers and also goal threats for example I and mean, Forrest was was great for a couple of seasons he's tailed off a bit at Celtic this season hasn't had the same game time Fraser's kind of going in the other direction he seems to be rediscovering his form that he had at Bournemouth a couple of seasons ago but am I missing anyone obvious or apart from that are we then kind of scratching our heads a bit yeah no I think Fraser's an interesting one because there's obviously there's a little bit of uh ill feeling maybe that he wasn't really up for it for a little while <laughs> and uh, so now it's like oh you want to come back in just because we've got a world cup uh, qualifier but I think like you're saying there's not an, a massive amount of players that we have that have a real amount of pace to come off the bench and looking at the squad for the Ukraine game I actually think Fraser wouldn't be a bad option to have we've seen him link up with Lyndon Dykes really well before running in behind him and actually scoring a few goals for Scotland so I would be I would probably lean on the side of just letting it go under the water under the bridge if Clark's happy enough to do that, if Fraser's a good enough guy sort of to have in the squad, 
because you've seen for Newcastle recently that when he's on his A game, he is really, really difficult to defend against. He's got a wicked delivery and he's and he can finish. So I wouldn't be turning my nose up at him too much if if he's if he's wanting to come back in and Clark sees him as a good attacking option and he, and if he was to help us get to the World Cup, I think everything else would soon be pretty much forgotten. Well, he showed he had a bit of a goal threat about him for Scotland as well, didn't he, Fraser? I know he had that really good season mm-hmm. with Bournemouth, but then I think it, he went about two years or something without scoring a, a Premier League goal. But when he had uh, that wee run of form, he scored three in a row for Scotland, didn't he? Over the... Yeah. Uh, yeah. can't remember what yeah. games it was. He scored against Pharaohs at home, Israel scored away. Israel, scored the equaliser, Israel away. Yeah, um, and he also he had was, had a Nations League goal as well. That's right. So, and he was playing with Dykes, so I, the, that that link is obviously it obviously worked yeah. then. So I don't see why it wouldn't work now. Mm-hmm. I think. Look, I I would I would fully expect Ryan Fraser to be in the Scotland squad. Um, I've actually found it quite quite interesting in the last couple of weeks. It seems like every time I tweet about Ryan Fraser, people have very strong opinions about him. <laughs> Um, if you look at the replies whenever I tweet about Ryan Fraser, and you'll see you'll see what I'm talking about. But look, from from my perspective, I can remember us wasting ungodly amounts of time and effort and talent on these petty little disagreements where players would make themselves unavailable and not come in the squad. And I mean, you know, guys like you know, th- th- think how, how much time we spent talking about Stephen Fletcher and whether he would or wouldn't come back and play for Scotland, and would he be the catalyst to us qualifying for things. I mean, I just think nobody gains anything from holding grudges. I mean, I think when Ryan Fraser, obviously he pulled out of the Scotland squad through injury and then he's photographed in training for Newcastle. That was just when Eddie Howe had been appointed. And look, I have sympathies with him because, you know, he has to put his club career, his club career is the thing that pays his bills. And also, you've got to bear in mind, if he's not playing for his club, he's not going to be playing for Scotland. So he kind of has to he has to get into Eddie Howe's thoughts. Obviously, he had there was friction with Eddie Howe given the way that he left Bournemouth with Project Restart and not extending his contract, etc. So, you know, if you're Ryan Fraser, you're thinking, I've got to protect my my livelihood here. I've got to get in this new manager's thoughts. And if he's done that, which he has, he's playing good football and he's part of this upturn in form for Newcastle that now he is in contention for being with Scotland. And look, I think I think Steve Clark's big enough and ugly enough that if if Ryan Fraser comes in and there's an apology and there's an acceptance, they'll move on. They'll be absolutely fine. Um, because again, so there, was a, there was a point that I found fascinating in the, the Jake Humphrey podcast where uh, Steve Clark was asked, when you're picking players for a squad, where where does the balance lie between like quality of player and then the mentality and who the person is? And Clark said it was 90% footballing ability, 10% of the other stuff, of the type of person the guy is. And he said that sometimes that means that you have to call up what he described as, as rascals and you have to just deal with them. But that's part of the job of being the manager that you put up with the rascals because they've got the talent. And I don't know, maybe he was talking about Ryan Fraser. Maybe he wasn't, but he's going to be in the squad. I, I, have, I have no doubt he'll be in the squad. Yeah, I think he's hitting form at the, the right time. Um, kind of maybe not flourishing, but enjoying football again uh, under someone that he's very familiar with um, in Eddie Howe. A couple of players I'd like to chat about still. One of them is 
Aaron Hickey, who continues to get lots of attention and coverage over in Bologna. They, they actually tweeted a picture of him today just with the caption, Starboy. I mean, <laughs> I like that. I, yeah. I, I like. I mean, they, they, they know that at least they've moved. At least, at least they've moved on from the Loch Ness monster emoji. <laughs> nah, yeah, um, but I, I think again, he, he plays on the left. Very hard to get in the team there. The only option I think for Hickey to be involved is if he gets drafted in as the deputy behind Andy Robertson in place of Greg Taylor. He can also play on the right, though. He can play right back as well. Good point. But he Good could point. be the he could be the utility sort of fullback choice. Um, I think it's yeah. unlikely given that he's not really been involved in the setup at all. But mm-hmm. if you look at him and he's played over twenty games in the Serie A, and he's nineteen, I think. Yeah. It, and he scored four goals as well. Like if yeah. if we had a Scottish midfielder that was nineteen that was playing in Serie A that had scored four goals, mm-hmm. we would probably be raving about him. Mm-hmm. And this boy's doing it from left back. Uh, left wing back, so he is going to be involved at some point because he's very, very talented. Um, I don't know if this is the right time to call him up, but he is definitely going to be involved at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think any. I think isn't isn't this the stat that there's no defender in Europe's big five leagues that scored more goals than him this season, which is unbelievable. And he's a teenager. Um, I think that's, I think that's maybe the the problem. Well, not the problem, but I. I a few things that I've heard is that that's a bit of a distraction to how he's actually doing. Uh, now, mm. I don't watch enough Serie A football to to give a definitive opinion on that, but it's quite a bit of a smokescreen, I think, the fact that he's got four goals next to his name. Uh, if you were to watch how he's actually doing in the more important part of a defender's business, mm. then apparently it's not so good. Well, he's yeah. playing every week, so I think if the coach wasn't happy, then he would probably be benching him because you wouldn't really yeah. stick with a 19-year-old if he was. A fair point, he yeah. wasn't doing the business. Yeah, I'm, look, I'm sure. looking forward to when he gets called up. It's a matter of when, not if, um, but yeah. not sure now Absolutely. is the right moment. Probably, I, think, I agree. I, think I don't think this is June, the right time. June, 100. percent He'll be in the. Then you'll, but then you'll have. Then you'll have. You'll have people though saying, you know, he's playing in Serie A every week, like you're telling us, Ben. Mm-hmm. Why should he not get played at right back ahead of Nathan Patterson, who's been stuck with the Everton 23 since he signed? Is it just purely because Patterson has shown that he can t- he could take to international football without uh, a second glance, really? Well, that's it. Yeah, exactly. Patterson has proven that he can do it. He's proven it away from home at an international level, which is you know the hardest, really the hardest level you can get to. So, yeah, Pat- Patterson has the experience already. Yeah, well, and well, and 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 Patterson, like we said before, along with Billy Gilmore, they've they've been in this squad and in this group for the best part of a year now. They went to the Euros, they trained every day, like they know exactly what to do and what they're doing in this system. Whereas for a guy like Aaron Hickey, who'd be coming in completely cold in terms of linking up with this team and how this team plays, it's it's too big a game to take a risk like that. Um, I mean, look, I I, th- I, th- I think his. I think right now, if you're if you're talking about a sort of depth chart chart of the squad, and you consider Tierney's our first choice left side the centre back, Aaron Hickey should be back up to Andy Robertson. I think that is absolutely certain. Whether he is that position in March, I don't know, but I think definitely for June, he's in the squad, hundred percent. Okay, um, a wee word on Ryan Gold. The MLS league has been shut down for quite some time. 
really badly timed for him, given how well he was doing towards the end of last season. Don't think there's any chance for for gold to be included this time, is there? I wouldn't feel like it. No. <laughs> I'm not too sure he was high on Clark's priority list as it was, but you know, if he had another three months of really impressive football behind him, he might have forced mm-hmm. his way in. Um, maybe ahead of David Turnbull, for example, who might not make it. Um, but yeah, I think that yeah, it hasn't worked out for gold this time. We'll see again in June um, for the Nations League. We'll have four games. I'm sure that there'll be players dropping in and out of the team. Um, lastly, a return to the fold for David Marshall, Ben? Well, yeah, I mean, QPR are flying at the moment and he's playing every game. Um, and he obviously was a tremendous keeper for us. Um so I would, I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold it against bringing him back in. I think he's obviously shown that he can do it at this level. But for me, Craig Gordon is the starter. He's the one that can, he can pull off a world class save, which we may well need against Ukraine and Touchwood a final. You need a keeper that can really dig you out of a hole, and we've just seen Gordon do that so often for Scotland and Hearts for the last couple of years. That I think Gordon's really, he's really nailed that that number one shirt now. Yeah, got Gordon, 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 undisputably, as uh, the number one at the moment. Behind him, you've got Kelly, Clark and John McLaughlin. Will Marshall supersede any of those? Yes, I would say, I, I, I would certainly expect to see Marshall back in in March, I think, purely just for that sort of, that continuity. You know, goalkeepers are always the interesting ones because they're in the squad but sort of separate from the squad they often train separately so I think having that camaraderie and that support network that they've established over a number of years of Craig Gordon and David Marshall working together you have to lean into these pre-existing relationships and then I think it's probably hopefully Liam Kelly who's the third choice because certainly with his performances for Motherwell this season some very impressive saves he he seems to be in current pole position for who might be who might be next after Craig Gordon retires in December, having lifted the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Right. Well, for a first stream yard, that went all right, didn't it? No real yeah, problem. I've had fun. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, uh, thanks to everyone who joined in and had a watch, and thank you to anyone who watches this tomorrow or the next day because it should remain on the Twitter account. We'll get back together for another podcast, maybe a, a regular one next time, who knows, uh, when the squad is due to be announced, which, let me think here, just pull my calendar up, the game is a month away, so squad probably announced on about the Monday the 15th, 14th, maybe? 14th, 15th, yep. Yeah, they, so the game's on Thursday the 24th, so squad probably announced Monday the 14th, Tuesday 15th, so a few weeks to go yet, three weeks. So we'll get back together before that, maybe when it's a clearer picture of who's going to be fit, Who's maybe in uh, undroppable form for their for their club, that sort of thing. But for now, Ben and Gordon, thanks very much, fellas, and to everyone that's watched. Cheers. Cheers, Pleasure. guys. Sports Social Podcast Network.